This is a Founding Media podcast. Welcome back to Masters and Founders, where we share the stories behind Austin's amazing entrepreneurs. I'm your host, Dan Dillard, and you're tuning in to a final installment of PJ Christie's Founders Spotlight series, where we sit down with entrepreneurs who have graduated from Search and Convert's Black Businesses Matter program. Joining us today is an incredible entrepreneur who really lives the saying, be the change you wish to see in the world. Courtney Jones is a social worker, child welfare advocate, and executive director and founder of the nonprofit Change One, which is dedicated to helping foster youth realize their full potential by bridging the gaps in the support they receive entering adulthood. Courtney shares how her lived experiences as a foster youth inspired her to become the social worker that she never had growing up, and how she founded Change One to address systemic issues in the way our community provides for children emancipating out of foster care. Get ready to be inspired and motivated by Courtney's story and her dedication to bringing positive change to her community. Let's tune in. Why don't you tell us a little bit about who you are and what your business is and a summary of your journey into becoming a founder? Yeah, so thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Um, so I have a nonprofit called Change One. It's a local nonprofit that helps children that are transitioning out of the foster care system into adulthood. I started this nonprofit um, because I have lived experience in the foster care system. Um, I entered uh, care at age eight and emancipated out of care at 18. And um, adulthood was hard to navigate. And so I um, wanted to start an organization to help kids not have to navigate adulthood by themselves. So, so yeah, no, I think that's the, the organization is great what you've done. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about your journey as, as far as what the passion was to get you to do this? Me starting the nonprofit um, just came from my own personal experience of wanting to make sure that young people had a voice and that they felt heard and understood um, because you know, I was once young and felt like everybody knew everything and they knew what was best for me. And I, I didn't feel like I had a voice. And so um, when I started this journey, I just really wanted to help young people find their voice to help them understand um you know, policies and procedures and how that impacts their life. You you mentioned we were chatting earlier, um, some positive impacts that you had. Uh, while you were um, in care. Can you talk a little bit more about that? I had a very good positive um, role model while I was in foster care, and she was my last case manager. And she, you know, didn't give up on me when I really wanted to give up on myself. And um, because of her, I wouldn't be where I am today um, because, you know, there are a lot of children in foster care and she could have just, you know, closed my case and been done with it when I ran away from care. But she decided to go the 
extra mile and to really support me and help me um, finish out high school strong and to help me um, get into my adulthood as successful as she could. What I love about that story, um, as we were chatting about it, is that you'd mentioned that the system itself is not perfect. It's got lots of inefficiencies. Um, however, this one person can make a difference because this one person went out of her way, went above and beyond to be your cheerleader and to help you um, overcome some things that you were going through, which which is the cause for change. And and, and I, I love that this person inspired you and, and, and part of why you are doing what you're doing and the goals you're having for, for change one. Yeah. Um, that's one reason why our organization is called change one mind, change one life. Mm -hmm. Um, and we believe that like, if you can change the mindsets of, um, the community and their perception and how they perceive the foster care system, then we can increase our numbers of foster homes and adoptive homes. Also, if we can help young people um, shift their mindsets and how they see themselves, mm -hmm. then, you know, we're able to change their life that way as well. Um, so I think that it is a befitting um name for an organization because we just want to be the change we want to see in the community. And um, it's very important that our organization continues this work alongside um, individuals with lived experience um, because they know what's best in their lives. And we're just here as a support um, to their success. I love that your part of the mission is to to have people work with you that have lived experience because that's the root of that is empathy is being able to empathize with not only the people that have received care, but also the people that give care. Um, let's talk a little bit about the numbers. Cause you, you, I was blown away by some of the numbers that you mentioned. How many, how many children are in, in care now? Um, as, as and well, as, and then how many of those do or do not get ad adopted? Yeah. So nationally, there are over 400,000 children in the foster care system wow. and about 123,000 kids emancipate out of the foster care system without being adopted or reunified with their biological family. Oh, and gosh. that is a huge number yeah. of individuals that need help. Mm -hmm. One of the things that uh, I loved about chatting with you earlier was was that you um, are not only a person that has lived through the system, but you're also a foster parent. Can you talk a little bit about that? You know, my journey kind of began with, you know, just trying to elevate my voice. And then, you know, once I finished college, I had the pleasure of moving to Austin to work for DFPS and um, try to understand policies and procedures and to kind of understand um, and make sense of some of the things that I went through. Um, and 
I, you know, always want to be the change I want to see in the community. So um, when I found out that I had some relatives that were in the foster care system and needed support, um, I stepped up um, and became a foster parent and um, an adoptive parent. And so a lot of what I do and the lens that I come from is not only my lived experience, not only my professional experience, um, but also the experience of being a foster and adoptive parent. And so I have more empathy and understanding um, because of all the experiences that I've had as an adult. The the thing that struck me the most is is a lot of times when you you or have one side of of the coin experience is amazing, but then you don't think about how invasive the other side of the coin is is as well. And so, in in becoming a foster parent, you had to go through that experience of of becoming a foster parent, which isn't easy, is my understanding. Becoming a foster parent, I would most definitely say, um, was challenging but rewarding. Um, I do believe that there is um, a lot of uh, front-end work and a lot of work um, to becoming a foster parent and maintaining your foster home. But the beauty of it all is when you see a young person thriving um, and that they have a chance in life because um, you invested in them and you opened your heart and your home. And that is just the most beautiful thing is being able to um, help all of those young people that are transitioning into adulthood. Wonderful work. I love, I love the story and we honor the work that you've done and, and, and the mission. It's, it's, it's just, wow, completely amazing. So let's talk about building a nonprofit. That's not easy. Um, you first got the idea of building this nonprofit back in what year? 2007. Wow. And then you, and then you started in what year? I actually started in 2014. So in 2007, I was a, a senior in college and I wanted to start my own nonprofit, um, but I was I had a lot to learn, <laughs> had a lot to learn. And I had to, you know, gain some experience and knowledge along the way. And so once I got my footing and was able to, you know, start my first professional job, and then I was able to be more focused on starting my own business. Um, and starting my own business was extremely hard um, because you have to get all of your thoughts onto paper and you have to kind of figure out the nuts and bolts of, you know, a business plan, operational plan, strategic plan, um, funding, you know, all of those things. And so when I first started in 2007 with the concept of starting a, a, a nonprofit, I didn't know it took all of that. <laughs> um and so it was a struggle um, trying to figure it out once I started in 2014. Um, and it wasn't until 2017 when I actually got my 501c3 from the IRS. Um, so it took a lot of me um, 
failing and also learning along the way from 2014 to 17. But the beautiful thing about it is I didn't let that stop me. I still did the work, even though I didn't have the status and the community supported me, although I didn't have the status. And so that was the most beautiful thing. Um, I really attribute that to my passion, my character, my hard work, mm -hmm. and that like I haven't given up. And people are like, I see that you haven't given up. I see <laughs> that like you're still fighting the good fight. So I'm going to support you, yeah. although you don't have your status. Right. Um, <laughs> and then once I got my status, that was a game changer. And so um, I would most definitely say I was happy to get that status and um, I'm happy someone that was in my community helped me, sat down with me and walk me through the process because um, unfortunately I didn't have the funding right. to pay someone to, mm -hmm. you know, start my nonprofit for right. me. Um, and so everything that I have built um, has really been on the backs of the community supporting me. Right. Tell us about that story. I thought that was an interesting story of the person that helped you go from a 25-pager to a two-pager. Yes, yes. So um, I host a Thanksgiving event every year for children that are in foster care and those that have emancipated out of foster care. And I literally was, you know, doing this out of my own pocket. And I was trying to figure out ways to like raise money um, because the number of kids that we were serving were increasing. And on a social work salary, it, it, you know, I was needing to figure out how to um how to build more income to do, to, to keep serving. And so one day I was listening to the radio on 88.7 and I heard that there was a lady, um, hosting a Thanksgiving event for the homeless. And I was like, oh my gosh, like I need to meet her because, you know, it's not most people, they focus on Christmas. And so it was very rare to hear that someone else was focusing on Thanksgiving for a marginalized population. So I'm like, she's doing it. I need to figure out what she's doing, who she's partnering with, how she getting money. Like I need to do that. And so my plan was to set up a meeting and, and try to reach out to her. But I was working um, for a private adoption agency and we were setting up a vendor booth at a college and um, I was walking around to the different vendor booths and then I saw mission accomplished. And I was like, oh my gosh, like I wanted to reach out to you. I heard you on the radio. And um, so initially my whole reasoning of wanting to talk to her was because of the Thanksgiving event. But something asked me to ask her because she was a person of color that started a nonprofit. And so I was still trying to figure out how to start a nonprofit. And so I said, hey, how did you start your nonprofit? And she told me that there was a two-page application that you can do if you make under $50,000. And I was like, I have been trying to figure out how to fill out this 25-page application <laughs> and try to figure out an imaginary budget that I, right. <laughs> you know, that you had to submit. And so it was so, I was so thankful to meet with her because she sat down with me and she went through everything that she learned through the process of starting a nonprofit, the do's and don'ts and the things that I needed to be successful. And I am so thankful to Ebony for um, starting a nonprofit and being a leader and helping other leaders, you know, start their nonprofit. 
Wow. That's just, that's an amazing story. And it also just kind of shows how you put an intention out there and the stars will align, whether you, you do anything about it or not, that, that happens, which brings me, uh, cause it's, it, we're all about, it's all about supporting the mission. Right. And so that was one, one way of supporting the mission. I want to learn, we've had PJ over here sign. I want to, I want to learn how you guys met and, and then, you know, how, how PJ has been able to, to help your a nonprofit. Yeah, so I am just so thankful for PJ and Search and Convert for supporting Change One. Um, as a minority leader, um, it is hard to get access to supports and services in order for us to have an even playing field with our competitors. Mm-hmm. And so with PJ's support, um, I have been educated mm-hmm. um, on how to make myself um, have a better presence online. Um, And it's just a breath of fresh air for someone to pour into um, my small nonprofit um, and to do it with excellence and, um, and, and civility. And I'm just so thankful because, you know, um, it's not like I have a budget to, to pay for, um, you know, things. And so just having the education, the support, um, has just been invaluable to change one. And so thank you so much, Search and Convert and PJ for, um, caring about, you know, leaders of color in the community. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. PJ, talk about some of the ways you can help or have helped. Yeah, well, the a lot of nonprofits, you know, they they aren't aware of it, but um, just as an example of the support that's out there that helps them take advantage of every resource that's available. Um, there's companies like mine that offer pro bono services. Um, we don't always do a great job at getting the word out about it, but you know the uh, you know I, I I know that there are other companies doing what I do. Um, for example, Google has their Google Grants program that offers $10,000 in free ads for qualifying nonprofits, of which uh, Change One certainly qualifies. And, um, you know, what we, what we try to do is we're getting involved with nonprofits. And I, I worked with uh, WellAware that builds uh, wells in Kenya, Circle of Health that brings maternity services to crisis zones around the world locally with the Austin Freelance Group and, and Garza High School. So what they all have in common is that in order for them to get to, to ladder up to the next level of, uh, of uh, their organization is making clear that they're using every available resource. And so to me, if a nonprofit like Change One is able to say, we have, a, we have pro bono services in this area, we, are, we qualify for this Google grant, uh, that, that all of a sudden they become more than just, uh, they, well, they, they ladder up, you know. Um, the, the, the most important things are the things that Courtney does day in and day out. I do very little compared to somebody who lives their life in this way. Uh, and, and that's why I'm so grateful for my, for the contributions I can give, because I know when I see change one and I see the need that's out there that, that as Courtney ladders up through, through, uh, you know, through the organization and it grows and, and grows in impact that it's, it's going to be positive for the world. Awesome. Awesome. That's, it's, it's amazing that 
that there's those services out there. It's amazing that you're doing that work uh, because it is it is very impactful. Uh, we, as we heard, four hundred thousand kids that are in service, and and just how how do you help that? And so every 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 little thing helps. So it's it's, it's commendable for sure. And, and Courtney, you've got some really good stats on black entrepreneurship. We were talking about. Um, in, yeah. in terms of the in terms of the breakdown, right? Yeah, yeah. I do, and I I found it to be quite interesting when I was um, looking at um, entrepreneurship, and it said that um, uh, white individuals are at seventy point nine percent leading in entrepreneurship, mm-hmm. and then Hispanic or Latinos is fourteen point three percent, and then Asian is six point two percent. And then black or African-American is at 6% in -hmm. entrepreneurship. And so as an entrepreneur myself um, and not seeing other entrepreneurs that look like me, Mm -hmm. um, I want to be the change I want to see in the community. And that's why it's so important for me to continue to make sure that change one is a success and to continue to keep partnering with companies like yours to make sure that we have visibility and that we are impacting um, the community the best way we know how and optimizing, like you said, all of the things that are currently already out there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that. Well, definitely there's those unique challenges, the unique challenges that you've experienced as a person of color and an entrepreneur, especially in the nonprofit section. I, even though that 6% number is there, I bet it's even much lower for a, a person that has been through what you've been and then an, operating a nonprofit. I bet that's even lower. So kudos yes. to you for, for getting out there and, 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 and putting that stake in the ground. I know that so many people would say, well, why don't you just join another nonprofit or this and that? But the unique experiences that you bring to the table because you've lived through both sides of that coin and you're able to share that empathy to the kids that come through. I want to talk, talk about the vision for Change One. What's, what's, what's your vision for Change One in the next five, 10 years? Yeah. So currently with Change One, we provide training to young people on how to utilize their voice to impact policies and procedures and legislation um, to improve the child welfare system. We also host a Thanksgiving celebration every year for children in foster care because there is an overrepresentation of children of color in the foster care system um, and they're placed in homes that don't look like them. So sometimes they're ripped from their culture, their tradition. Um, unintentionally. And so we want to make sure that if they don't have a seat at anyone's table, they always have a seat at change one's table. Um, we want to make sure that um, those that are in group homes and shelters and um, not in family settings, that they feel like they have a family um, each and every year during the holidays. And um, we provide um, case management services to young people that have transitioned out of the foster care system. And, you know, a lot of times, you know, if you don't have a mom and a dad to go back to during the Christmas holidays or spring break, you know, it's, it's kind of hard to navigate adulthood when you're in college. And so, you know, we provide support services around 
how to helping those that, you know, just need a place to go, you know, during those break times from college. We support young people, you know, that are new mothers that, you know, haven't seen an example per se of how to be a mom and you know, we want to make sure that they're the best mother and father that they can be, you know, and providing that mentorship and guidance. And so we really try to meet the needs of the young people and what they're facing um, right then and there. That can be social emotional skills. That can be um, even just life skills, like how to wash your clothes, how to cook a meal, how to grocery shop, you know, those basic things that sometimes people take for granted. And so, that's what we currently do. Um, but it's we're a team of two and a half. Um, and so um, I'm so thankful um, for our small team, but we need to build capacity um, so that we can continue to meet those large numbers in our community. Um, and um, so we are wanting to find board members that have the time to roll up their sleeves and to help us with fundraising and help us with just building a sustainable capacity in our community um, because we believe that young people are our future. So we have to invest in our young people and make sure that we have quality services for them. And so the services that we ultimately want, like our yeah. five-year goal. I, I want to talk about that, the, the dream. Yes. The about the vision. Yes, our vision, our five-year goal is to have a one-stop drop-in center for young people. That one-stop drop-in center, we want it to feel like a home. We want it to feel like a safe haven. We want it to be a place where they, um, that we're we're addressing food insecurities and, and, and they can come and get food from our food pantry that they could learn how to cook. And we have cooking classes that they learn how to wash their clothes. And we have a laundry um, facility where they can learn those most basic skills. Cause it's one thing to talk to someone in a class setting about it. And it's another thing to actually have hands on experience. And so we need a one-stop shop where, you know, those young people can, experience that with mentorship from people in the community. And so that is our vision for them to, you know, be able to have a computer lab where they could do job searching, build a resume, understand what their strengths are and what they bring to the table. Um, and for us to be able to just build a community, just have um, a place where they could go and feel safe. Um, I think that as a young person, it's hard for them when they are homeless and transitioning from foster care to go to um, Salvation Army. Army or the Arch, like those are amazing organizations, but those are adult individuals dealing with homelessness and youth dealing with homelessness is different from adults dealing with homelessness. And so, you know, we want young people to be able to finish high school, finish college and um, go into, you know, um, a trade or a, a full time job and they need a place that they can go to for that. And so that's what our vision is, is for us to have a one stop 
one-stop shop for youth in our community um, to meet their critical needs um, so that they can be contributing um, members of our society. I love that. So um, how can the public support Change One? How can we make these dreams come true? Well, um, thank you for just, you know, giving me the platform to even speak about change one. I think public awareness is the biggest thing is for people to spread the word that like we have a nonprofit led by somebody with lived experience that wants to improve the lives of children, youth and families. And if you know, you know, someone that has the time and capacity to be a board member, um, please spread the word that we're looking for board members. If you have the time to volunteer, um, we are looking for volunteers that understand marketing, understand development, understand um, how to do events. We do the Thanksgiving event every year. So if you are, if you love party planning, (laughs) you know, and want to help us uh, with making sure we have the best Thanksgiving event every year. Um, we need your help with that. Of course, fundraising is going to be the biggest thing. So if you own a restaurant and want to have like a day in the month of April dedicated to change one, because April is child abuse neglect month and May is foster care awareness month. So if you're a company, um, that wants to, you know, help us, that would be extremely helpful. Um, If people want to do like giving through their employer, like that's another way to help us um, build the capacity to help young people. Um, But yeah, we need volunteers. Um, That Thanksgiving event is really exciting. Um, We provide holiday gifts every year for kids in foster care. And so it's a good family activity to do to put a gift together for a kid in foster care. Um, Even just families coming to volunteer to serve a meal to a child in foster care is another way to give back. So there is plenty mm-hmm. that we need support and services with um, here at Change One. I love that. Well, sign me up. I'm going to chat with you afterwards and we'll figure out all the things I can help with because I'm I'm convinced and, and certainly want to help. Um, I, I did want to ask you a question. I mean, you are so inspiring with all the work and all the things that you're doing. Do you have someone that you look up to um, in the community or, or anybody that inspires you? Yes. Um, right now I really look up to judge Martinez Jones. She is a judge that presides over Travis County CPS cases. And she is a leader, um, that is, um, strong and, um, trustworthy and a leader that, um, is of color and young and um i'm i just admire her for caring about um young people in 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 our community she has started a pilot project called reimagining foster care and um she's brought me on as someone has lived experience to help um set up an advisory council of others with lived experience to um help gear this pilot in the right direction and always keeping in the forefront people with lived experience. And I just, you know, when she told me her vision, like many people talk about a vision, but you never see the results of their vision. And so 
in a short amount of time, like she has gotten community partners together, has gotten funding together. And I just, you know, admire her, just um, her character, um, her tenacity, um, just she's really genuine. And so, you know, I... I like those traits and I gravitate towards those traits and um, I'm happy to be working with her and seeing her as um, a leader, a mentor. Um, Yeah. Wonderful. It's so nice to hear Um, every day. I I think, you know, people get up and and they turn on the news and it's not positive things that they're hearing. So whenever we get a chance to, you know, spotlight or highlight some, positive change that's happening, I think it's super important to talk about it because, yeah, I mean, people, there's humanity out there doing great things that we need to talk talk about more. So thank you for sharing that. My yeah, last question, yeah. <laughs> my last question uh, since you have been down this entrepreneurial journey and, and it continues, right? It's not easy. Uh, um, what advice do you have for anybody that uh, might, is thinking about starting a nonprofit or, or, or becoming an entrepreneur? Yeah, I would most definitely say for those that are thinking about starting a nonprofit or being an entrepreneur, um, the first things first, you have to get it out of your head and onto paper. Like um, you have to, have to, have to. Um, Once it's on paper, then, you know, try to seek out support from your community um, in regards to like creating a business plan or creating a strategic plan um, because the more organized you are with your thoughts, the, the better your um, sustainability of your and your company will be. Um, that was one thing that I was just passion, passion, passion. And all that passion is great, but I had to work backwards and, and try to figure out um, the nuts and bolts of everything. And so that was a challenge for me. And I wish I would have known, okay, Courtney, you need to put all that knowledge on the paper and figure out a plan. Um, and so that would be the first thing. And I would say the second thing is don't allow anyone to deter you from your dreams. I started my concept of my nonprofit in 2007 and I did not start working on it until 2014. And I didn't get my 501c3 until 2017. And I didn't hire my first employee until 2021. And so I would say keep pushing, keep striving, keep um, keep thinking of ways to make your dreams come true um, and put in the work. Like you got to work hard. Um, when people are sleeping, you need to be awake trying to work on your craft and, um, and, and read, read as much as you can find a mentor, um, and, and, and try to get as much knowledge as you can and then apply the knowledge. Sometimes we get the knowledge, but we don't apply the knowledge. So apply the knowledge. If someone's taking the time out of their schedule to mentor you, apply what you learn. Um, so I hope those things are very helpful Um, I'm just going to recap one more time. Get the information out of your head, put it onto paper. Make sure you have a strategic plan in place. Find a mentor. 
educate yourself and read, 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 and never let anyone deter you from your dreams. And just know that it takes work. It takes time. And you got this. Love it. Thank you very much. Well put. PJ, any final thoughts? Uh, no, I just uh, really appreciate Courtney for what she's what she's doing in her community and, uh, and what she brings to me in my life and, and my team. Thank you so much, Courtney. Thank you. Thank you so much for sharing your story with us, Courtney. It's so inspiring to meet people like Courtney who are dedicated to making positive changes in our community that will be felt for generations to come. And it's humbling to learn how Courtney is using her lived experiences to make the world a better place. If you're fired up to support Change One and the work they're doing today, as well as plans they have for tomorrow, visit their website at changeone.org. That's change followed by the number one.org. You can also learn more about their work and get in touch with Courtney there. And thank you to our listeners for tuning into this Founders Spotlight, a series brought to you by Masters and Founders, which is Austin's number one entrepreneurial podcast. You'll find PJ Christie and his team by visiting their website, searchandconvert.com. This Founder Spotlight series is sponsored by Search and Convert, an Austin-based marketing agency that can help your business get more leads through your site. To learn more about corporate podcasting, visit us at foundingmedia.com. Thank you for listening.